Welcome to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling. You are about to discover impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you, so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Be sure you visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century. Welcome everyone to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Nethling, coming to you from Roswell, Georgia. The goal of this podcast is to bring topics and guests that will empower you to become the competent leader and take your business or your life to the next level. Today, I have with me Tony Curl, and let me tell you a little bit about Tony. Tony spent over 30 years in operational leadership positions in retail sector, leading teams at as large as 300 members and managing revenue up to 300 million. During his operational leadership career, He discovered a passion for developing others, and this ignited the desire to become a professional coach. Now, an accredited coach with over 10 years of professional coaching experience, Tony has helped hundreds of leaders at all levels to achieve their goals. He has 20 plus years of facilitation in training, coaching, and mentoring in organizations and the host of the Today's Leader podcast. I chose a theme that I hope you love as much as I do, and it is motivating the working dead. Please join me in welcoming my guest, Tony Curl. Tony, welcome. Well, thank you, Vicki. It's a pleasure to be here, and thanks uh, thanks for having me. I've um, the Today's Leader is on a little bit of a hiatus at the moment, so it's good to be back behind the microphone and awesome. looking down the barrel of the camera. <laughs> yes, sir. You. Yes, sir. And, you know, everybody needs a break now and then, but they can look at your past episodes to get an idea also of all of your um, awesomeness. But The Walking Dead um, is, as we mentioned before we started, was filmed here in Atlanta. And I thought this was perfect because, you know, if we were meeting in a person, I would ask mm. the audience to all raise their hand if they've ever worked with the working dead. <laughs> because <laughs> I think all of us that have been at least been in corporate have yeah. had that experience where there was one or a whole team of working dead. So yeah. I thought this is great for us to talk about because as leaders, as team leads, as supervisor managers, we have to find ways to motivate our teams to make them mm. not only want to come to work, but understand the value and the benefit that they bring to our organizations by just being there, that they have value, they have worth. And I think sometimes as uh, our, our leaders sometimes make us just feel like we're a butt in a seat and really not adding value. So I'm anxious to hear about <laughs> about what you have to say. We always start with an easy question. And as yeah. you um, just indicated a little bit with your opening, <laughs> please tell us where you call home. Um, I'm in Brisbane, Queensland, Australia. 
and uh, it's a beautiful morning here at the moment. A little bit chilly. I think winter's trying to have a mm. second crack at us at the moment. It doesn't get overly cold here, but we would call 11 degrees Celsius cold. And I'm one of these people that gets up at some ungodly hour in the morning and goes for a walk every morning just to oh. get, start the day well. Um, and it, we feel it when it's 11 degrees Celsius. I, I'm not sure of the conversion back to Fahrenheit, but... <laughs> Don't ask, you know, I, I have no idea. My, I have a good friend who's from England and she always reminds me whenever we go travel anywhere where it's Celsius. (laughs) All right. So, um, I think that we should start because your, your bio was really brief. I always like people to share their story of what their journey was like. You know, you didn't, I think probably come out of the womb as an entrepreneur, as a coach. So take us a little bit on that journey of where you were to get to here. Yeah, very, I, with, with pleasure. I, I had a 30 year retail career and uh, in operational leadership. So site and multi-site leadership predominantly. Um, I started my career back when the judgment of a leader was how many hours that they work. So if my car was in the car park before others, I was going to have a good day. And, <laughs> and if it was there after um, others had left, but I was being considered that I was a hardworking, ethical sort of a manager. And, and of course, things have changed a great <laughs> deal since then, thank, thankfully. Yeah. Um, but that was the way that as a young leader in the retail industry, you were judged. So I worked through 30 years of operational leadership and, and I joined a company uh, in 1999 called Bunnings Warehouse here in Australia. And Bunnings were the very first organisation that really um, got the leadership um, mm. aspect of what it is that we do, how to inspire people to take your business to the next level. And I started doing leadership workshops through them and it was just eye-opening and it was a real awareness process. So I spent 12 years with with uh, Bunnings Warehouse. And during that time, I found that while still successful as an operational and site leader, I was becoming more satisfied with seeing the lights go on in people's eyes and seeing them progress in their careers. So I started to develop myself. I started to go through the certification process with Maxwell Leadership and I became a certified Maxwell coach. I then left Bunnings to go join another organisation because for the title predominantly, and that was one of the biggest mistakes that I ever made, um, because title doesn't keep you satisfied. It, and, and I went into an organisation that was vastly different from the one I'd come from, where leadership was key, development of your people was key, and it was a real tick and flick, do and tell style. And mm-hmm. I lasted 19 months, and at the end of that period, I said, I need to move on. And I need to take the step and go out on my own and teach leadership as I will help leaders be better. And that was the first step for me. And in 2013, I started uh, thinking great business and it's been 
a, a journey. Um, mm-hmm. COVID really knocked us around, unfortunately, as as I'm sure it did with many others. But um, 10 years of helping, supporting people, whether they're small business, whether they're in organisations, and it's just a pleasure in my eyes to be able to wake up every morning and and just have care for people and the development of people is your number one fo- uh, focus mm-hmm. and priority. And um, I certainly enjoy that. Awesome. Yes, yes. There. Um, I think that, that for a lot of us, having experienced a, a not a great manager or leader or mentor um, has really propelled us to be better. Yeah, you know, it, yeah. We learn from others, not always the good things, but we, um, <laughs> you know, we see, oh, well, I am never going to do that. And so while it might have been frustrating and annoying and, and made you not want to go to work every day, it did teach us lessons if we listened to our, those lessons, yes. Yes, very much so. The last organisation I worked with, I reported to what I can only describe as the worst leader of my career, and he was very political. He was very focused on looking good. Um, he was very self um, centered in on himself and it was just a real challenge to work with a person like that yeah. and and when my focus was very definitely on the development of my people as best as I possibly could and to create an environment where, and a culture where people felt valued so um, which was really tough when I was not feeling valued within an organization so yeah I took a lot of learnings from that period about myself and how I responded and there were some things that if I had my time again I'd go back and do Um, there are things that I advise my clients about during that time that you know maybe in hindsight I maybe would have tried a different tact but um, yeah very clearly he was just not the right leader for me he was the right leader for other people who were that style of leader who just wanted to get ahead Um, but yeah certainly not for me and, and I think everybody should take note of what he just said is that he was not the right leader for him and that some, but he was p- possibly the right leader for others. And I think oftentimes we forget about that. Uh, whenever mm. you promote someone into leadership, you need to be aware that that isn't just because they're great at a certain skill or tactic or strategy, because you have to lead people. <laughs> and and you have to change and so it's work (laughs) it it isn't where you come in and shut the door of the office and and just assign work to people and think that they're going to (laughs) survive and stay and so talk about how your um, leadership style we we you know we want to talk about the working dead and and motivation (laughs) so as you got into a place that was right fit for you how do you, mm. what are some steps that you take to assess the situation and know what you should use for those individuals on your team, knowing that it may be more than one person. And so you, and you may need several styles to be able to motivate them. 
Yeah, I, I think the biggest learning that I've ever had with leadership is that, you know, and even recently I'll share a quick story. I, I went to work in an organisation and the person leading that organisation was really clear with me saying they believe that leadership is natural. You're either a natural leader or you're not. And to be quite honest, I find that really challenging because one of the biggest learnings that I've ever had as a leader is that leadership can be developed and we do need to be conscious and we do need to be intentional about how we lead our team and we need to invest in our team. Mm -hmm. And I see so many leaders that don't understand those three concepts. Leadership isn't easy. Um, A lot of natural leaders fall over because yes they may be naturally outgoing and they build networks and all of this stuff but when when the push comes to to shove leaders are expected to get results and we are expected to get results for our people and if we're not investing in our people with an intention and being conscious about how we work with them and how we um, develop that at the rapport and the relationships and even communication how we communicate with them individually if we're not conscious about that, we are going to be more likely to fail than succeed. And, mm-hmm. and so intention, conscious and investing is are three really key things that leaders need to be thinking about every day. And I think, too, whenever you have a situation where you know, that investing and intention. We have a society now around the world where our teams are not in the room next to us, in the Mm. building next to us, they're around the world. And I, when I started my business, I was also called back to do a project for the company I retired from. And it was all remote. I never in the year and a half I worked on the project, met the button the person that I was reporting to in wow. person. Never. Wow. And so the challenge that I'd like for you to just talk a little bit about mm. the challenges that and opportunities that as a leader you have with remote teams and mm. and how it isn't it, it isn't you can't do things the way you used to do when everybody was in the office with you. And, you, yeah. and let's talk about trust and integrity as well. It's a it's a real balancing act, Vicky, in my mind, because I recently completed a contract with a major global insurance company, for example, and they had a very much a hybrid workplace policy. And I think social engagement is really important for people, not just leaders, but for people to be socially connected with with a community or with an organization. And it it can be challenging for a leader to have that social engagement with people that you may never see in the office. There were some people within this organization that um, I was on this project for nine months and I never met them other than through the lens of a webcam. And it is a real balancing act because, yeah, you do want to have trust, integrity and in all of our dealings. And you do want to, it's, it's nowadays, it's more about progress and, you know, getting Mm -hmm. the results and we can do that anywhere, but 
to be intentional, once again, that word intentional keeps popping up, doesn't it? But to be intentional on how we engage with those people, because in many ways, it leads to greater challenges if we aren't careful. So mm -hmm. if there's promotions going around in a workplace, for example, or there's people stepping up, often the people that are close or that are in the office are the ones that are close to mind for a leader. And the person that is working from home potentially may not be as close or, or, or they're in that line of sight. So when we potentially promote that person who's always in the office and always engaged yeah. and socially connected, the person who's working from home who may be producing better results is, is, is not going to feel valued. They are going to ask themselves the question. So it really is for a leader, once again, that the word is intention, to have that intention to socially connect and and to be valued, to, to make that person feel valued in however we do that. Now, there is a the balancing act I talk about is that some people will see connection as potentially being nosy, um, <laughs> interruptive, um, and micromanaging. So I, I don't want to spend all day on a Zoom call. Of course you don't. But you do want to have that. You still want to follow the same principles that we do if someone was in the office, being intentional about our one-on-ones, asking about um, their goals, their growth. All of those things can still be done with a remote person just as easily as what it can be done with the person that's always in the office. So balancing act intention and just having an understanding that that person isn't as socially connected as the others within your team who may be in the office or may be in the office more. <laughs> so part of a leader's role is how do I make that person, how can I, what can I do to support that person to feel socially connected with the team? So mm. I hope and, that gives some it, tips. And it, it really is if you were in the office and you would be walking around and pass in the hall, the people that you yeah. work with, maybe say, let's go have break together or lunch together. So the, the challenge for you or the opportunity is to, when you think, okay, well, this is Monday morning. I, I kind of need to see how everybody's doing, how the week went, or maybe it's a Friday, mm. maybe it's a Wednesday, but one of those days, pick up the phone, and give them a call or say, hey, let's have a quick Zoom over coffee or something mm. just to try to make that relationship building process be as organic as it can be without saying, okay, every Tuesday, we're going to have a status update. <laughs> and, and, you know, that takes away the really the social piece that I think that you're talking about. And it, mm. it makes it not feel like I'm just trying to get to know you and and I care about mm. you. It's like, well, I want to see, I'm I'm catching up on, or I'm checking up on you. Yeah, I and, care about you. I, yes. yeah, absolutely. It was interesting. I, I was coaching a, a leader in Melbourne during the pandemic. And uh, initially when the work from home and the, Melbourne was the most lockdown city in Australia and they had long periods of lockdown. So when work from home initially happened, this leader was really receptive, engaging with his team, looking at things like Friday afternoon drinks over Zoom and all of this stuff. So really engaged in the process of keeping them engaged. Mm -hmm. 
But what I noticed with him and what I had to help with coaching is as the time went on and as this leader was going back into the office himself, there was a real lack of trust starting to develop Mm -hmm. and a real concept of micromanaging. So he reverted very much back to his type and his type was along the lines of, Um, they can't do it as well as I do, so I'll just do it. So I'll overload myself as a leader. And he reverted back to that, but in a remote situation. And that created this real distrust and bitterness towards the people that were choosing to work from home. And um, once again, coaching that person was, was actually quite difficult during those stages because the awareness that that was happening was the first stage of the project and then trying to work out how to create that harmony within the team and that social connection while still being satisfied that they weren't bludging while they're at home. So it's interesting how um, that happened for that particular leader. And and I'm sure it happened with many, and I'm sure that many leaders still have that belief that they're sitting at home on the couch eating potato chips watching netflix instead of working and All day. you you, <laughs> you just <laughs> yeah so it is a balancing act and you do need to have that trust and you do need to have the intention to build engagement i always look at the pandemic as a blessing and um mm. and i in the company that i worked with they had um Gosh, it was 2007, I guess, or no, 2003, they started doing remote work from home for a pilot for it. So I was in the pilot and they said, well, you can't work on, you can't take your work from home on a Friday or a Monday, because that means you're doing a long weekend. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) And um, if you have a meeting you need to come into the office. You can't take it from home. Yeah. And uh, so there was a lack of trust there, but it was the interesting thing that I found were two interesting yeah. things. One, I found I was far more productive at home because I didn't yeah. have people walking into my desk, my cubicle all the time or interrupting me. Um, and I started to work right away as soon as I got up. And I worked and I had my teams were all over the um, world. So I had people in Asia, so in Australia. So I would be working late at night and it just got where all of my project management skills had to come into play and schedule Mm. time where I would be taking a walk or leaving my desk, not eating at my desk, you know, things like that. So I wouldn't work 24 seven. Yeah. But there were other people who asked to be taken out of the program because of the social aspect mm. that they could not stand not having other people in their day. Yeah. And uh, so then the, when the pandemic came, it was where everybody had this. And I worried about those people that I knew that were probably experiencing that isolation that was really difficult for them. And so as a manager of those people, you know, if you didn't take time to build relationships with your team and understand that these people may need you to be more um, available to them, uh, you probably would not keep those people. Yeah. Yeah. The, 
interesting way you um you talked about the pandemic and and how many many things were thrust upon us and i i agree with you so much that as, as a leader it really opened the awareness channels and it changed many leaders for the better and it changed some leaders for the worse so but it made sure one, one of the big um, blessings that I would see from the pandemic is it helped leaders understand their role in adapt being adaptable and flexible. And it also helped leaders see their role in the need for crisis leadership and, and what that looks like. Mm-hmm. And um but by the same token, I, I, I saw so many leaders totally unsure of what it looked like and trying to be this stoic figure while internally they were crumbling themselves. So mm. um, it just opened up so much. But um, And hopefully we'll look back on that as a real catalyst for leadership shift, I guess. So Yeah. And there are some people that were hired maybe in 2019, 2020, 2021, because of, uh, you know, the circumstances and have no experience to working in what (laughs) pre-2019 would call a normal work day. And so there's another challenge for the leadership. How do you acclimate those folks or Mm. do, do you, do your, go back to all full-time in the office? Do you do, uh, you know, the company that I work for has still, um, interestingly, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday um, in the office and Monday and Friday, most people chose to take off <laughs> remote from home. <laughs> and they allowed that. Yeah. I thought that was hilarious. But anyhow, um, but, you know, you really have to decide what is best for our company. Mm. And, and it may be hybrid. It may be, I don't know if anybody ever is going to go back to full-time everybody in the office again. Yeah. I'm, it's interesting here in Australia because every time a company or an organization um, has that decree that everyone's got to be back in the office by set amount of time. And, you know, even if it's a hybrid work um, role or, or what have you, it seems to make headlines. So mm-hmm. I think the, the the reality is that hybrid working has certainly, it, it's now the norm. People yeah. expect to, the ability to be able to work from home. So at the moment, I'm doing some work within a, um, a global food processing company. And they have a bit of a policy in relation to you can work from home as needed, but your preference is always to be in the office. Now, what that preference actually means is culturally, there's probably not a preference to working from home. The preference is you you are in the office. Yeah. Um, so, and once again, that's a cultural thing, and it's just it's part of the project that I'm I'm involved with with that. To, to how do we? Um, how do we drive that? But there have been headlines where companies have said, you now have to be in the office. And the backlash from people who have now come to enjoy working from home, enjoy the flexibility, feel that they're more productive. Um, 
has been quite large. And I think for a lot of organizations, it's a, how do you frame that in a context that people will say, yes, I understand the need. So whether it's meetings needing to be in the office, whether it's that social engagement side, whether it's social connection, or do we just bite the bullet and say, well, let's use remote and let's get rid of these expensive real estate that we need to yeah. rent. So, so there's a lot of decisions, I, I guess, sitting there within organizations but you you're quite right a lot of people now expect it as a norm mm. and don't see any need or reason why they would have to go into the office for sure so uh time has flown by we covered wow. quite a lot um probably have to have you come back and we'll talk a little <laughs> bit about um anatomy of a leader and mentorship i, I definitely want to cover those but we'll just yeah. go into the rapid fire, the one of the rapid fire uh, yep. statements I actually already asked you, and that was about bad leaders. So we covered that. But you're the first Australian trained and certified in psycho neuro actualization. <laughs> and that's yes. a groundbreaking co coaching and influencing program for um, by the well-known thought leader, Steve Maraboli. Mm. I have no idea what that is. And so I couldn't let you go by without at least <laughs> wetting our interest and maybe having uh, another segment on that yeah. one too. Steve, Steve's a very um, interesting and motivating gentleman who I connected with back in 2013 after he's got a number of books out and, um, and he really is a different style of thought leader. He really does challenge the accepted norm. And, and I guess psychoneuroactualization is something that he developed. And it really, the key word in that is the actualization. So mm -hmm. it's really about um, understanding ourselves. Um, it's about putting those thoughts and actions into a, a visionary sort of a process and then putting it into action. So, so the real key steps is it, it is about understanding our own, uh, the neuroscience. So doing the work with Steve, it was really about understanding the, the way we operate and then having the cognition to put it into action. So it's one thing, it, it's one thing to say, I'm going to do something it's another thing completely to go out and do it. So right. everyone can say, I'm going to write a book. And in many cases, going into a group of friends, for example, this is a really good example, hopefully. If I went into my group of friends and said, I'm going to write a book, and they all said, wow, that's amazing, Tony, that's awesome. The, the chances of me then writing that book are probably reduced because I've already got that um, kick, that dopamine kick from just yeah. saying, wow, I, I'm going to write a book and everyone wants me to write a book. And it actually diminishes a little bit of that, that ability for me to put it into action. And mm -hmm. a lot of people thrive off that, but a lot of people thrive off the fact I'm going to do, I'm going to do something and they get the response back from people. And then they've got no chance ever of doing it because they've already had that response that kicks oh, us wow. into gear to get it into action. So so psycho, psycho neuro actualization really works with trying to set that visionary process within a person and then set the scene for action and get them working into the steps. And, you know, some people actually need 
a, a cheer squad, so to speak, to cheer them on and that helps them yeah. in their journey while others just need to keep it within themselves and just start making the step. So um, it's it's a really interesting field of study. Um, I'm indebted for Steve for making me aware of it. But, and one mm-hmm. of the key things that he teaches is that, uh, and I see this so much with coaching and I see this so much with coaches, I guess, is that if I'm working with someone and and I liken it to if a person feels that they're in a hole or that they've ground to a halt in what it is that they want to do, right, right. I, I need to fully understand where they are. So mm-hmm. if they're in a hole, I'm jumping in that hole with them so I can fully understand where it is that they are. And then I'm going to be that support figure to help them determine how to get out of that hole. Yeah. What I what I see with a lot of coaches is that they're standing around the edge of the hole saying, hold onto my hand, I know the way forward. And, uh, you know, maybe it's Australians, but we don't like people telling us what to do. So, <laughs> Have you so, met Americans? <laughs> <laughs> so so <laughs> that will work with some people who actually require that. But for most people, for it to be lasting and sustainable change, I want them to come up with the answers. Now I'm going to help guide them and I'm going to pick up on some things and I'm going to ask them the right questions, but I'm in there as well, immersed in that situation. And if I can't help them get out, we're going to stay there and we can't have that for me to be successful. We just can't have that. So, so we need to get out of there and we do that in a way with the person that I'm coaching coming up with the right solutions to get out of there so that they can have that lasting and sustainable change and it's their idea at the end of the day it then becomes i did it um thanks for your support whereas a lot of coaches once again say i helped this person go x amount of uh, wherever they were going so it's a completely different in many ways a completely different way to look at things but i i love it i i love getting in that hole and i love finding out exactly where we are and let's work together and hopefully we'll navigate you'll navigate the way to get us out so and and i think it makes so much sense because it validates for them that you can help them because it's it's not you're in the trenches with them and you're discovering Mm. with them and and you're probably trying things that may not work and how you react to that failure is also demonstrating to them it's really about trying to influence them in the Mm -hmm. in the way that that may be the best fit for the solution and you know when you work when it works is that when you've been planting the seeds of influence and then one day they come in and say guess what i did i woke up in the middle of the night and i had this great idea and all of a sudden I, i started doing something and you're sitting back saying, I've been planting that seed for the last yeah. three sessions. And not that you tell them that because it's their right. idea and that's the goal. They're excited. But inside I'm saying, yes, finally, yeah. that influence started to get through. So, And, and that's yeah. the beauty of the process. Yeah, all coaches need to remember that, that it's okay for it to be their idea. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we wives know that that we have to make sure that. 
All right, it's time now for me to share my screen so that you can get contact information for Tony, as I'm sure you will want to learn more of what he does and how he can help you. So for those that are listening, as I remind every time, um, if you haven't done so, go gra grab a paper and pencil. I'm going to give the website information now, orally, and you can uh, write that down. If you don't get it, if you're not in a, a position to write something down, all of this information will be on my YouTube channel as well as my website, findyourleadershipconfidence.com. So the website is https colon forward slash forward slash thinkandgrowbusiness.com.au. Again, thinkandgrowbusiness.com.au. He's on Facebook at Tony Curl. LinkedIn is Tony Curl. Instagram is Tony Curl. And Twitter is Tony Curl. I'm sorry, Twitter, he threw a wrench in there. He's Tony Coach Curl. So uh, you almost had it uh, mm. easy, but we had to throw in that. And, you know, Twitter's now X anyways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All the way. We won't go into that. All right. And YouTube, just search for Tony Curl. Mm. And I'm going to turn it over to Tony to talk to you about his different services he has, what you can find on the website and his social media and YouTube. Mm. Well, fun. Thanks, Vicky, and it's a great opportunity just to, to talk with uh, people about what it is that I do. I'm in a very, um, I would say, lucky position for the next two years. I've got a very good, solid contract with an organisation, um, that food uh, manufacturing organisation, and that's a cultural journey that we'll be taking on. So a lot of the services that I used to be able to do for organisations, for example, I'm probably not in a position to do that, but I am taking on individuals and, and who just want to be better, I, who see. who just want to take that next step. And the name of my podcast is Today's Leader, and it's building or it's about building tomorrow's best leaders today. And if that fits within your psyche, and if that's where you want to be, if you want to be the very best leader you can be today, and building for tomorrow. Um, come and talk to me. We can work through things like our leadership skills. We can th work through leadership mindset. Emotional intelligence is just one of the biggest things a leader needs to be aware of. So all of those little aspects around how you can be a better leader, if you truly want to be the best leader that you can possibly be, we you know, just reach out and have a chat. I, I'm, I'm not for everyone. Um, but I'm certainly very proud of the work that I've done with individuals, you know, and one of the biggest areas that I'm seeing at the moment is navigating the p politics of organizations and mm. sometimes, and once again, I've used this word so much, so much today, it's about intention and we can navigate successfully without losing our authentic self. And I think once again, if that's a challenge that a lot of leaders face, uh, reach out, let's have a chat and let's see if I'm the person that can help you navigate what's going on while remaining true and authentic to yourself. Fantastic. Well, it has been a pleasure talking to you today. We covered so much ground on leadership and, uh, you know, and I love that you, um, talked about emotional intelligence. One of the leadership tracks that I teach is leading with your heart, 
your head and your mm. hands and empathy and emotional intelligence are key to that um yeah that track absolutely awesome. and that that fits so well with the anatomy of the leader that i i speak to awesome. to vicky so we do need to yeah reconnect we're gonna have and to get do another on. another session we'll, yeah. we'll definitely do that all right so as always i remind everyone that life is a journey and it's up to you to enjoy the ride this is vicky nethling signing off thank you for tuning into the find your leadership confidence podcast with vicky nethling where we share impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Remember to visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast.